before the game kicks off, let's ramp it up with college football overtime. Here's, here's, here's Garrett Chapman and Abe Gordon. Welcome in. We are college football overtime, and we are here to get you ready for all of the week 11 matchups across college football. We're going to be hitting on the SEC, ACC, Big Ten, Pac-12, all of the big ones. we got a bunch of them. And Abe Gordon is joining me here at Abe Gordon on Twitter, at GChapATL for me on Twitter slash X slash whatever it's called. I don't really know, but that's not the point because we're here to talk college football, Abe. We have multiple games across college football that will go long ways in deciding who wins the SEC, who even represents the conference in the title game. We go up to the Big Ten East, a critical matchup between Penn State and Michigan. Really the first big test for Michigan. We're going to get into all of that right here on the College Football Overtime Podcast. We're also going to jump into some college football playoff reactions. On Tuesday, we had the second edition of the college football playoff poll come out. Not a lot of change, really, at all, if any, really. I mean, I think we have two new top 10 teams, um, or two new teams, or one new team in the top 10, one team that fell out. Um, we'll get into all of that right here on College Football Overtime. But before we do any of that, I got to introduce my co-host, Abe Gordon. How you doing, buddy? I'm doing good, man. It, it's kind of crazy we're finally here. This is a week, and I look ahead at the schedules all the time for various reasons. This is the week that I pinpointed like a month and a half ago that I'm like, man, this might be the week that really separates uh, a couple conferences, and, and it really could uh, turn out that way. Now, a couple of games that I looked at, and I was like, man, that's going to be the one. Maybe not as much, um, but but boy, oh boy, is it loaded all across the country. Every conference, uh, maybe with the exception of the Big 12, I guess, has a game that really sticks out as this could be a big step forward towards a playoff position. So this is one of the weeks that I have absolutely pinpointed it's finally here, and I am ready for it to deliver. Absolutely, Utah travels to go play Washington. Yeah. We've, I mean, don't don't fall asleep on some of these games in the Big Twelve, though. I mean, UCF, an upstart team that likes to score a lot of points. Uh, I don't know how they, they haven't fared too well in Big Twelve action, but they're playing a team in Oklahoma State that look they're top fifteen in the poll right now, and they're looking to go play in the Big Twelve shot title game against Texas and. Texas playing TCU, a team that played there last year. So it's a very interesting games across the board, uh, but we're going to hit those big ones. We're going to touch on a lot of these other games as we go along. But Abe, I do want to start here because the college football playoff yeah. just emerged and not a lot of change. Ohio State is still your top team in the country. Georgia's number two, Michigan, number three, Florida State, number four, Washington is number five. They round out your undefeated teams. For, before we get into the other ones, are you surprised about no change at all in your top five? I, I am a little bit surprised. I, I thought Washington, by beating a ranked team on the road, would um, would have reason to be placed ahead of Florida State. Mm -hmm. um, and and I, I do think that Georgia adding another top 15 win, albeit mildly unimpressively, albeit at home, yeah. would have been enough to get them to jump Ohio State. Mm -hmm. Now, I'm not overly surprised. Like I'm not like ready to throw a tantrum about it uh, again. I said it last week, this time I'll say it again. I think if Georgia wins this weekend, we'll get into this game in a little bit, another top 15 win, albeit at home, more reason to try and look at, at, at potentially jumping them. Same mm -hmm. thing for Washington. I, I just think at some point you do start to add up these top 15 or top 20 wins. 
uh, whether it's home or on the road and, and, and start your argument, but the resumes for some of these teams are, are getting different. You know, people are downgrading certain wins that Florida state has had. Um, you know, if Penn state loses to Michigan, a game we'll discuss when we go around the nation, do we downgrade the win that Ohio state had over them? Um, Notre Dame, you know, that win, does that get downgraded because of how they looked this past week against Clemson? I, I mean, there's a lot of variables at play here. I was surprised Ohio State kept one. I was surprised Florida State kept four. It's not the biggest deal in the world. I'm not going to throw a tantrum over it, but I did think there would be some movement. So I was a little bit surprised that there wasn't. See, the biggest thing for me is that the thing that became increasingly evident is that it appears that the playoff committee has frozen the wins in time, if you will. Right. The win against Notre Dame, of course, everything changes and context is very important in all of this. Ohio State's win over Notre Dame was a lot more impressive that week than it was than it is even now. And say honestly, same thing for Florida State and LSU. You could say the same. Well, not not to the same degree necessarily. I mean, but not as much as as it would be a three loss Notre Dame team who just got who just lost to Clemson on the road. And right, and, I don't know. I think LSU has gotten better as the season has gone along, even though they have three losses now. Those three losses that they have have come at the hands of. Of, of Alabama on the road at Ole Miss on the road, uh, Florida state away from home, not technically a, a road game per se. It was played in a neutral site, but I don't really want to put them in that same category necessarily. But I will say if you're Washington, the win against USC just elevated their strength of record metric. And yeah. yet they aren't that ref- isn't reflected in the polls. And yeah. again, I agree with you. I'm not going to cry over spilled milk. None of this really matters at this point. It just is just a snapshot of where the teams stand currently. And people like to to prognosticate and, and turn it into something that, you know, well, if this happens and that happens and then this happens and okay, great. There's still a month's worth of game to, games to play, not even including your conference title games, because we can get into scenario after scenario after scenario. And I could scream until I'm blue in the face. That doesn't change the fact that we still got to play the games on the field. You know, and at the end of the day, this is going to be our lead story. It's it needs to be the lead story because this is what college football is now. I mean, we were all about the playoffs and everything else. I I love the football and the like the actual action on the field. We're going to get into a lot of those discussions here in just a little bit. But I do want to move into these one loss teams. Yeah, because you have Oregon, Texas, Alabama, Ole Miss, and Penn, Penn State and Louisville, who are all really talented teams. And I think many of these teams have gotten better as the season's gone on with. A few exceptions. One one of those is Ole Miss, a team that's traveling to Athens this weekend. I think that they are playing themselves into a potential upset potential against Georgia first and foremost. But as far as the committee goes, they have the the head to head loss against Alabama. You have the head who also has the head to head loss against Texas. I think that has become increasingly evident that they are reflecting that in this poll, which I think is fine. Uh, but of these teams, which of them do you see being able to play their way up into a potential playoff bid. Alabama. Uh, I, I was very impressed with how their offense looked a week ago. We talked about it uh, on our Monday edition of college football overtime. Maybe mm-hmm. they figured it out with Jalen Milrow. We'll get more into what we expect from their offense this week when we go around the SEC here in a couple minutes because I have some thoughts on how they need to follow that up. But uh, Al- Alabama's the one for me. They're going to get the head-to-head with Georgia, assuming uh, the track holds. Yeah, um, Georgia takes care of business against Ole Miss, Tennessee on the road, and Georgia Tech on the road, assuming Alabama takes care of the, uh, Auburn in the Iron Bowl, Kentucky this week, and 
I think they have a, a, a bum in, in between those two games. But um, that that's the one to me. Their defense is elite enough. If their offense is on track like they have been, I don't think it's as far-fetched as I once thought um, for them to be able to upset Georgia. So that that's the one I would keep an eye on. Um, more so than than Texas. Oregon obviously is still in the discussion. Yeah. Um, I, I would place them above Alabama, but I would take Alabama over Texas in terms of most likely. Yeah, and I think that there's there are a lot of very interesting teams as far as these one losses go. Uh, I, Louisville's right there. Uh, they could go win the ACC title game. Uh, I don't think that that would how be you lost and who you lost to. It, it's there's there's so much needs to happen. For, yeah, for I mean the loss yeah. to Pittsburgh. It was, it was a bad loss. Yeah. It's a bad loss for Louisville. I, I think it's going to affect them down the road, um, but they can win some style points and, yeah. and they're clearly seen as the lowest of, of the one loss teams. And I think that's pro- probably pretty accurate. Penn state. I'm interested. You didn't say them. Uh, they have a very good opportunity at home against Michigan on Saturday. And if they get a win there, I would not be surprised if you see them skyrocket up to yeah, six it, or it's seven. Just more far fetched to me that they're going to beat Michigan um, and, and win a Big Ten title game than it is for Alabama. I, I just think Alabama's got a real clear path where it, it seems likely that they're 11-1 and one facing Georgia, and That's fair. who knows at that point. But there's also the element of, of they've been there, they've done that. I mean, it's, it's part a of it. very recognized yeah. brand across college football, especially for the Nick Saban era. I mean, the dynasty, it, it's far from dead. Uh, yeah. I know Chris Marler, a friend of the program, Likes to uh, he, he had had a, a common expression. He's on Twitter. Uh, if you've never checked it out, you should. He, he used to say, "If you're going to dance on the grave of Nick Saban in Alabama, tread lightly." Uh, it's pretty accurate, and <laughs> it's it's proven evident so far this season. They've had a, a splendid second half of their year after looking like roadkill at times, especially against the likes of South Florida, the loss at Texas or against Texas, I should say. They look pretty bad and hapless at times. I think they've looked like a much better unit as of late. A lot of that has to do with the play of Jalen Milrow, the quarterback. Uh, the rushing attack has looked pretty effective. I mean, he, he, we'll talk a little bit more about. We talked a little bit more about this on our reaction show that came out on Monday. So if you missed that, go check that out. It's up here on on the YouTube page. It's uh, all over wherever you get your podcast. College football overtime. Make sure you check that out. Did you have any more thoughts on these one loss teams? Mute. I think Abe, I think you're still on mute, my friend. I did find it interesting. Yeah, sorry. The dog, you know, we heard her last all episode. Good, We're trying to trying to clear that up. But she's uh, looking for a feature, man. It's all good. I did find it uh, interesting, and you mentioned it earlier, and I think it just doubly confirms what you're saying that head to head is more important seemingly this year than it has been. Mm-hmm. I think there could have been cause to have Texas fall behind Alabama. They chose not to do that. I'm perfectly accepting of that, but I think it is another statement in regards to head to head. Yeah. And I, last thing I'll say on this, Ole Miss is a very interesting team. I think they have the, the loss at, at Alabama, which is going to weigh heavily on them. They yeah. need a bit of a, a miracle. Uh, I'd say to, to jump in Alabama here uh, because they won't have the, the head to head and they, they won't have the conference championship game. Assuming Alabama takes care of business this weekend on the road against Kentucky, which I'm assuming that they will. Uh, they'll yeah. have two opportunities to do that. Uh, to at least a clinch, and the first opportunity will be against Kentucky. I think they'll do that this weekend. But, you know, on that note, we're going to get into our Across the SEC segment, Abe. And I might as well start right there. Um, I know we have our headliner with Georgia, but I feel like the segue just works too well right here. Alabama is looking to clinch the SEC West. They'll do so 
I, likely against Kentucky this weekend. I, I think the only way that we don't see this happen for Alabama is if Devin Leary just goes just freak mode and mm-hmm. he just continues to, to play at a high level. I mean, he's looked a lot better in, this, in, in, in recent contests. Uh, maybe he's figured something out. He'll have he'll have to be Superman in this game because uh, I don't think Davis is necessarily going to have the the game of his life because Alabama that front seven has has really really done a good job of stifling rushing attacks. Yeah, for me this is all about Alabama, and it's just about backing up and reconfirming what they showed against LSU. Did Nick Saban actually unlock Jalen Milrow in mm-hmm. that offense? Is this now? That Alabama team we've seen in years past where the defense is a top 10 unit, but you're also talking about 35, 40, 45 points a game. That's what made them so tough to defeat for so long. There was a stretch this season where it's like, I don't know, this team's going to get 24 points in SEC competition. Um, I need to see them back it up. I, I need to see them repeat the effort. And and look, Kentucky's much better defensively as compared to LSU. And, and so I, I think it is. Look, I don't think they're in danger of losing this game, but I think it is a good test and a good barometer to just see if last week's Alabama offense is real or if it was a mirage. Because if it was real, Georgia has something real to worry about come the SEC championship. Not looking too far ahead for them. They've got some other games in the way, but it's a different discussion. It will be heading into that game. That's what I'm looking for out of this i expect alabama to win whether it's ugly or whether it's pretty but man yeah. if they drop another 40 spot uh on this kentucky defense on the road i think it is a lookout below situation because they might be um right back at the top of the heap uh in very short order yeah and i think they figured some stuff out on the, on the rushing attack chase mcclellan just continues to be a steady hand in the mm-hmm. rushing attack he's been a, a pretty good thing for for that alabama offense but you you nailed it it's jalen milrow yeah um the offense was only going to go as far as he took it at, at the end of the day and i think on saturday the game against lsu they unlocked a different piece of his game which maybe he had the whole time which i'm assuming he i mean he really did have the whole time it's not i like do wonder if he they wasn't were saving it for yeah i was wondering if they were saving it for for this sort of affair but boy they played some ugly close competitive games to to hold back on it but it if sure that's did. yeah if that's how they played it kudos to them yeah and and look i i don't expect that kentucky's going to give them much of a, a much of an argument here um just because the way that kentucky plays just sort of feeds right into what alabama wants to do on offense and on defense, it's it's a very similar type of contest to what it is when Kentucky plays Georgia every year. Kentucky's a good football team. I think Kentucky would give a lot of teams a, a great game. We saw that against Tennessee. We saw what they did against Florida. Like, yeah. look, we've seen them play at a high level. The, when you play a more, you try to out it's a bad, it's a bad a team matchup. That's more physical than you. It, it, yeah, Alabama kind of does too well what Kentucky hopes to do. It, yes. It's just a bad matchup. And then you add in the talent factor, and it's just yeah. too much. It'll be. But it would take a heroic effort from Devin Leary. But I want to move on. Uh, Tennessee at Missouri, a, a, a sneakily very good football game. Not yeah. even sneakily, just a good football game. I'd say this has potential to be one of the best matchups of the week. In a, I don't know about you, but I think this comes down to which team relies on their quarterback less to win them the football game. And that's not a knock on Brady Cook or on Jalen, or, or excuse me, on uh, on Joe Milton. Because I think they're both good quarterbacks in their own right. I think Milton is he limits what the offense wants to do a little bit more than I think Brady Cook does. But I think it's more just a credit to, to the identities of what these teams like to do. 
Cody Schrader showed last week that he is a, a force to be reckoned with on the ground. He's 919 yards rushing. He's, I believe, I want to say he's top 15 in the in FBS. He also has 10 touchdowns. Um, he's going up against a, a front seven that allows 99 yards per game. But one more thing on Cody Schrader. I said this on the show on Saturday, College Football Game Time. Find it also wherever you get your podcasts or tune in on the Odyssey app. Every single Saturday morning, we're getting you ready on Sports Radio 92.9, the game in Atlanta. But one thing that he does very, very well in the first halves of games, he's a good steady hand, about three, three and a half to four and a half yards per carry. That yards per carry upticks or ticks all the way up to about six and a half yards per carry. I said that was going to be a big key on Saturday, and it almost was against Georgia, a team that is very effective uh, against running backs in particular. And he had a pretty good day against probably the best front seven in football. Um, and he's going to have another tough test on Saturday. And on the other side, you have Jalen Wright, who really got taken out of the game when he played against Alabama. But outside of that performance, he's been very good. He's a good player. And I think both of these teams have good enough defenses. Tennessee, I think, has the edge there, which is why I think that they have the edge in this football game overall. But both have strong rushing attacks, and they will want to lean on that and see what the quarterbacks can do. So just don't make mistakes if you're the quarterback. Yeah, I'm on the other side of this, to, to be honest. Uh, I know you mentioned you think Tennessee has an edge. I think Missouri has an edge. Hmm. Um, Missouri proved a lot to me in a loss to Georgia. This is a legitimate top 15 team, which, look, I've seen a lot of top-ranked teams come into UGA, and I was like, I don't really buy it. We saw it with Arkansas. We saw it with Kentucky. Yeah. Uh, to an extent, even Tennessee last year. They deserved to be ranked highly, but they were never the best team in the country. We knew that. This is a legitimate Missouri team. They were very good. Uh, they should have some confidence. And I'll tell you what, I think Joe Milton uh, is in some trouble in this one. This is a very good pass rush yeah. for the Missouri Tigers. They got to Carson back three times. He had only been sacked six times coming in all season for the Georgia Bulldogs in that loss a week ago. I think even a loss, they built some real confidence. Um, the, the one question I would have is Luther Burden. Um, how limited was he in the second half because of what looked like an ankle injury? Um, and does that carry over? Uh, because he only, he look, he had the touchdown. He caught a two point conversion, but we're talking if my memory serves three catches and 53 yards for all on the what first is, drive. Right. And that, that's not going to be enough. If he's healthy, I think he can get after it. Total different ball game though. Uh, if he's limited. And I think you talked to Schrader and the importance there. Mm -hmm. Uh, Brady cook was very good a, a week ago. And I know he threw two interceptions, late in the game as they were trying to mount uh, a semblance of a comeback, and it didn't happen for him. He's a very good quarterback. Uh, this is a very good Missouri team. It is a home game for them, mm -hmm. I, I, and I think they can get after Milton and really put them in some tough situations with third and long, stuff like that. I, I think Missouri has an edge in this one, but like you said, this is a very legitimate um, top 15 matchup. I'm very excited to, to see this one play out. Yeah, and, and and you talk about implications of of this game in particular. The winner of this game is assured of the number two spot in the SEC East. If you're Tennessee, you have the chance. If you win this football game, you then have you're the potentially Georgia hosting Georgia. Yeah, coming to there. coming to Neyland Stadium the next week with yeah. the SEC East on the line, assuming that they lose. So you have the three thirty game. That's a CBS game of the week, and then at seven o'clock. That gets into the Georgia and Ole Miss, which is the nightcap of the evening, which I think is the, the game of the week in the SEC. So let's move into that one, because if Georgia loses that game, you have a, a potential winner-take-all in Neyland Stadium up in Knoxville, where I think the the, the, the roof will blow off, uh, just because we saw, what, we saw what it was last year when Alabama came up there. 
to go play, but will they get into that situation? Because not even just like that result aside, Georgia has a chance to just put away the SEC East and just be done with it. But coming into town is a very prolific offense led by Lane Kiffin, uh, Jackson Dart, Quinshawn Judkins, Trey yeah. Harris, a really dynamic attack that can do a little bit of everything. Um, they can do a little bit of everything really well. You know, I mean, you have the, 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 the lethal guy on the outside and Trey Harris, who, look, we saw what Luther Burden did last week. He was kind of taken out of the game. They figured out how to, how to beat him. He's more of a slot guy. Trey Harris is more of a guy on the edge. He has, a, has a, that great size, six foot two. Um, he can really body some people. I mean, he's, he scored multiple touchdowns multiple times this, uh, this year. I think he had 215 yards last week. I mean, he's just an incredible performer. Uh, Quinchon Junkins is, I mean, if you thought Cody Schrader was going to be a, a, a tough player, Quinchon Junkins take it, takes it to the next level. He might be the best running back in the SEC. And Jackson Dart, in particular, that's who I'm zeroing in on in particular because he has the skill set in particular that could really, really hurt a Georgia defense. He can make plays with his legs. He can extend plays uh, and, and really cause some problems and, and reach to the boundary. And then on top of that, he can hit his targets down the field, doesn't make a lot of mistakes. He's very efficient, and he's got the arm strength to make the plays that matter. Uh, so Ole Miss really, really has, can, can cause some problems if, for Georgia. Yeah, I don't disagree with too much of what you said, but I will say this. I just think it's a bad matchup. Uh, I think the one thing, Georgia, that I'm super confident in their ability to do is stop the run. Um, now, we're talking about Quinshawn Judkins and his run. I'm not yeah. talking about Jackson Dart. And this is where it lits to, as you mentioned, a little bit of a wild card here. It's one of those games. And look, we said we, we said Jaden Daniels had to have it against Alabama. Yeah. He's got to have one of those superhuman efforts. Um, and, and I do think that potential is there for Jackson Dart. I'm not overly expecting it to happen but but there is th that potential uh, it's a tough environment it's on the road Ole Miss I do not trust on the road uh and I just think it's a bad matchup I, I will say this Ole Miss can really get after the quarterback on defense and I'm interested to see with 31 sacks on the season what they can do against the Georgia um uh protection scheme that did allow three sacks yeah a week ago and, and look you get some sacks maybe one of those turns into a turnover Maybe it turns into speeding Carson Beck up over the course of the game. That could turn into an, an interception. Stuff like that matters, even if it's not necessarily on the stat sheet. I am interested to see how they do defensively. I, I have some real concerns about Ole Miss being able to crack the, let's say, 24-point barrier. Um, and, and it's going to be very tough at the, the rate that this Georgia offense is humming with or without Brock Bowers, which is its own little discussion. Um yeah. I don't see them being held under 24 points in this game. So it's going to be very interesting to see how high uh, Ole Miss can get. And, and and I agree with what you said. It's got to be Jackson Dart, and it's got yeah. to be him with his legs. Um, and I know that's like a cop-out answer for like every running quarterback has to do it with his legs. But like there's a reason they're running quarterbacks, and there's a reason that he has this many rushing touchdowns, seven of yeah. them on the season. That's how he beats teams. It went away against Alabama. It wasn't enough. And you know what happened? They weren't even competitive. It was not a close game. Um, mm -hmm. He's got to do more of that against Georgia, or I expect a very similar situation on the road. Yeah. And really that's the biggest thing. I mean, it all, that's what it comes down to It's Jackson dart. Yeah. Um, Brock Bowers. I will say, I just want to, for the record, as of right now, as of the recording uh, Wednesday evening, uh, 
Brock Bowers is practicing. Just Brock are, Bowers are, are, has a good right. shot we, of playing. We've seen all the articles. Just gut your gut feeling because I don't think he's playing. I I think he's going to play. Okay. He will he will suit up. He's not going to be a major impact no, type of, of player. Not. In um, dogs dogs HQ insider uh, Rusty Menzel tweeted uh, at one point. He said if he suits up and plays on Saturday, that would have been twenty six days post surgery. And and Tua was back in twenty. Tua Tungavailoa. Yeah. He had the same surgery. He was yeah. back in 27 days, and he was starting quarterback for that for Alabama. No, the timeline is fair. Like it, the timeline it's there. makes sense. I just don't also, think it's also superhuman. Let's put it that too, way. It's too big of a risk, in my opinion. That's all. It's it may not be worth it, but yeah. he might suit up and play. That doesn't mean he's going to be a major factor in, in the game. He might just do it just to get some reps and then get him out. Right. Fair uh, enough. But we'll see what happens there. The last thing I will say on this game: this is going to be a massive game with major implications to top 10 programs. How does Ole Miss look on the road? They have not been a very effective road team. Yeah. 25 points per game this year on the road versus 40.2 at home against FBS opponents. Yeah, I'm not including stat. that Mercer game where they go off and scored That's 77 points. I'm yeah. not including that. 40.2 at home versus 25 on the road. I got to see more. I got to see more. And a lot of that has to do with the eight penalties per game for 62 yards on average. That is, You do that against Georgia. This is not a Georgia team that's going to beat itself. They do force right. you into making mistakes. And you do that by getting behind the chains, not allowing Quinn and Quinn John Junkins. That's where he's very important in this. Stay ahead of the chains because I think this is going to be a four down offense for Ole Miss. You get into plus territory. They're going to be attempting for, they have four attempts. They're not punting. They're not kicking field goals. They understand how this game is going to be. They're going to need to score points. Uh, it's just kind of the guy that Lane Kiffin is just in general too. Uh, but you can't do that if you're having penalties. You can't do that if you're turning the ball over. And I just need to see more from Lane Kiffin and company. He has not been very effective in these massive games with big-time implications. Maybe that game against LSU was where they turned a corner because that was really the first game that I think we saw Ole Miss go up in a big-time game that everybody had their eyes on it and were watching, and Lane Kiffin and company showed up and played to the highest level. Uh, now. You're not going to beat this Georgia team if you're allowing them to score 45 plus points. Right, right. That's not happening. But can he win this style of play? I don't know. We haven't seen Lane Kiffin do it the time that we saw him this year. He goes on the road, plays Alabama, loses that game 24 to 10. But we've never seen Lane Kiffin versus Kirby Smart. So this is going to be a first edition of that. I think it's going to be very interesting to uh, Nick Saban apprentices playing each other for the first time. So I'm very excited to see that game. Abe, did you have any more thoughts on this one? Just final thought in regards to Georgia. At some point you have to stop denying their resume. Uh, if they win this game, they're jumping Ohio state. We'll get more into oh, that in the Mondays. Yeah. We'll, we'll talk more about that on Monday's uh, episode of college football over time, but at some point enough with Ohio state's two wins, Georgia's resume is building and, and continues to build. If they are able to win this game. I, I will contend that right now they're the best team in the country. I think they have an opportunity. I still want to see just like last week. I still but just like last it. week, they have a good, a great opportunity to, and they're playing at home. Yeah, they're playing at home, and I think that the crowd's going to be in it and be a major factor for them in this game. Vanderbilt at South Carolina. I don't have too many thoughts on this game, just in particular. South Carolina looking to get bowl eligible. They need to win out down the stretch. Um, they they had a bit of a stumbling block last week against Jacksonville State, uh, but they overcome that with a strong fourth quarter performance. I, I don't foresee too many too many issues with Vanderbilt this week uh do you have any thoughts here I don't think Shane Beamer's getting fired just yet but lose this game and we'll find out just how hot that seat gets uh, that that's all I'll say last week as you mentioned was not a good look 
this is just another game. If you want to keep your job, you have to win this game at home against Vanderbilt. Uh, as simple as that. Yep. Yep. Absolutely. And Auburn and Arkansas, both teams coming off of big wins. Yeah. Um, I, I think they're trending in different directions per se. Um, I still don't know if Sam Pittman has job security over there in Arkansas. Uh, I think of any coach right now, you talked about job security uh, with Shane Beamer. I think Sam Pittman is the hottest seat in the yeah. SEC right now. Yeah, sure. You cannot afford to lose a game to Auburn right now. This is an Auburn team that is, this is going to be the worst that they're likely going to be over the next couple of years. Right. Uh, Hugh Freeze still doesn't have a quarterback. I'm still not fully convinced. The defense is going to be pretty good. Uh, did you learn anything from, from Arkansas last week? Yeah, I think they're they're simplifying things on offense. Obviously, they switch play callers uh, on the offensive side of the ball, and yeah. and I think they're letting KJ Jefferson be KJ Jefferson. You did get a couple of appearances from Rocket Sanders, who had been hurt for nearly a month. So I do think they're they're working through some things. Is it enough to be competitive mm-hmm. in this game? I'll be honest, Garrett. I think it is. I, I think this is a Arkansas team that is fighting for their coach's job. Um, and for some certain players fighting for their legacies. I mean, there was a time where K.J. Jefferson had a legacy that could have been discussed as among the best uh, in Arkansas history. He was trending that way, and now it's yeah. trended the other way. Um, you know, but I-, I liked what I saw from Arkansas. Obviously, didn't like the Florida aspect of it a week ago, but I did like what I saw from Arkansas. They did look better on offense. Now it's just whether that carries over to a second week. Yeah, and both teams are really looking to make a statement up on this yeah. win. Or this week, um, how are they looking as far as? Let me look at this. I need to. I should have had that ready before I made any statements. Uh, Arkansas would need to win out to reach a bowl game. Which, if you do that, I think we might have it. I have a different conversation if you're saying Pittman. Just just based off of the turnaround alone, uh, Auburn one more win and they will get back into bowl eligibility. Uh, they missed it last year, uh, obviously with the the firing of your head coach and and everything else but i think you freeze if you get your guys back to i don't know a seven and five record which i think is very well within striking range that's a slam dunk of a first season if you're hugh freeze right along the lines of what we predicted here on this show and that's a great first season but if you're arkansas you're you're just scratching and clawing right now trying to fight for your jobs and really the rest of your season so um auburn has nothing to lose Arkansas, not quite so much, but it, that should make for a very interesting football game. Uh, but you mentioned the game last week, Florida. They're going on the road playing at LSU, the number 19 team in the country. I'm very interested. I'm more interested in what LSU, I'll let you speak on the Florida side of it. But what if Jaden Daniels doesn't suit up? That's what the if question. he is sidelined? Yeah. And I think that's really the biggest question mark. Garrett Nussmeyer, I, we've seen him in spurts. He reminds me of what DJ Uyunglele was for Trevor Lawrence in short appearances and in, in short bursts. He was, th- he came out of the field and throws for 500 yards. Just looks like a freak of nature. He, you saw him in the sec title game when he came in and spelled a, a, a banged up Jaden Daniels against Georgia. And I think that was had as much to do with Georgia taking a foot off the gas up 40 points or something at the time. Uh, but he looked good and he, and he has shown the ability to throw the ball down the field very effectively. And I think you've got the tools on the outside to really cause some problems. I don't really see a massive step back necessarily at least on a week-to-week basis i mean Jaden daniels of course can do everything with his legs and that's really the biggest boon for the offense just in general but garrett nussmeyer is going to be able to do everything with his arm and then some that Jaden daniels can and then i also want to watch the rushing attack logan Diggs, he struggled last week 24 yards on the ground 
He, that was one of the biggest reasons why they struggled down the stretch in that game because Jaden Daniels had to do everything. And that's why he got banged up eventually down the stretch. You can't take that many hits. I know we're not going to discuss the hit on this podcast. Not here. You've done enough of that. We've, we've seen enough of that on social media. We're not going to do it here on this podcast, but I want to, I'll, I'll leave you to the Florida side. What does a win mean for them in this game? Yeah. Well, obviously a win is, is because of losing a week ago, their bowl eligibility is at real risk. Um, which would look, I don't think we're putting a nail in a coffin. Uh, I'm not on that boat in, in terms of Napier, but it, you've got Missouri and Florida state still on the schedule. Uh, you had to find a win somewhere. You, it should have been against Arkansas. We discussed that and it wasn't, I disagree with you about LSU. Um, I think this is all about Jaden Daniels. Uh, if Jaden Daniels plays and is is himself, I don't think Florida has a shot. I think they have a shot with Nussmeyer. Um, I, I really do. Uh, now, look, there's also a world where Nussmeyer, as you said, flips it around to neighbors and Thomas and forget about it. It doesn't matter who the quarterback is. But yeah. there's also a world where Florida can get after the, uh, the passer uh, a good bit. There, there's a world where they're able – to uh, limit limit uh, the rest of the offense. And I think just the confidence, like mentally, I know players and coaches never admit, like, we don't think we can win this game if so-and-so plays. There is that. Like, like it's human nature. Sure. For Florida, if, if Jaden Daniels plays, I don't think you can win this game. Uh, if it's the other way, though, I think there's a confidence level um, that could come from facing a backup quarterback that could boost their opportunities. Um, so I, I think it's all about Jaden Daniels. If he plays LSU wins, if he doesn't play, I think for both sides game on. Yeah. I, I think it's going to be a very interesting game. Uh, what time is that one coming on? Is that the, that game's at seven 30 SEC. Seven thirty. Yeah. Okay. Gotcha. 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 So that's, but we've seen crazier things, crazy, crazy things happen in this rivalry. Um, mm -hmm. we had a shoe shoe gate at one point. That was probably one of the the more interesting things that have happened in college football over the last couple of years. Um, but look, this is this should make for a very interesting contest just in general. Last one in the SEC, and then we'll move on to the ACC. Mississippi State at Texas A&M. Texas A&M is a different team at home. I think they're playing a team that they should absolutely beat uh, in Mississippi State. They've always played better at home. That's really my biggest thought there. They should they should win this one pretty comfortably after just a, a really frustrating loss last week. That was just a tough game for them just in general, but they should, they should handle this one. Yeah. It's, it's interesting that we were here. I, I thought that A&M maybe would go the other way depending, but um, it's just another game where Jimbo is just holding off the outside noise. I, you know, you should be able to win this game and, and you don't have to hear that much about job security yeah. for another week. I think that's what happens this week, but uh, you know, I think he's actually considering where I thought this season could go for them. He's done a pretty decent job of, of holding off uh, all that stuff, especially when you had to deal with a, a midseason quarterback injury and, and using mm -hmm. your backup the rest of the way. So Yeah, I mean, they're currently sitting at 5-4. and four. You win this game, you're 6-4. and four. Abilene Christian, you better not lose that game. So 7-4, and four, you're looking at an 8-4 and four potential. You have to finish on, on the road against LSU in Death Valley, and I, that's going to be a difficult contest for them just in general, but you should win. The, I, you should win this game. And I, I think you nailed it pretty effectively. He stays off elimination and he can get into next season. And then now he doesn't have to play in the, the vaunted sec West. Uh, now you do have old rivals coming into town, Texas and Oklahoma. That's for next year's discussion. Yeah. Let next year be right next year. Let next year be next year. 
but he's it appears to me that he has staved off elimination yeah. at least for now mississippi state though they are trending in the wrong direction first year of zach arnett they really just don't have an identity to me i, I don't know who right. they are you've lost back-to-back weeks of just mind-numbingly tough football where you just haven't been very good you have kentucky at home it was just an ugly game i, I watched a little bit of that one and then you had the road game against Auburn, which I thought was really your best opportunity to get a win outside of the obvious one where you traveled to beat Arkansas and probably the ugliest football game of the season this year to this point. But you won 7-3, to three, so that's all that really counts. But hey, let's move into the, the ACC, rather, uh, because we have another really important game, and this one is coming up on Thursday, Virginia at Louisville. Uh, I'll keep my thoughts on this one pretty brief, just in general. This is a a game that you should absolutely win if you're Louisville. I think mm-hmm. Virginia got exposed a bit last week. Louisville plays exceptionally better when they're at home. They just they have a very explosive offense. They're a one-loss team trying to uh, build some credibility for the college football playoff committee right now as they traverse their way down to an ACC title game, a looming matchup with with Florida State. Virginia is not a team that you could take lightly. Uh, Virginia is also a team that lost its starting quarterback, Tony Muskett. Uh, against Georgia Tech his status is still up in the air I haven't heard anything I think it was a concussion um, but I don't know his status coming into this game but it's a short week because this game's going to be played on Thursday which leads me to believe that he's not going to be ready to go Uh, but they do Malik Washington guys on the outside they they could cause some problems for Louisville I will say Uh, I just don't know if they have the firepower uh, to really run with Louisville if Louisville gets up and going Look, it's a two and seven team with one of the wins being over William and Mary. And, and so I know you, you look back on that West, uh, that game over North Carolina and what, what the heck happened here for Virginia. But you're right. Louisville has no business uh, in this game being competitive uh, based on what we've seen from both teams, based on the quarterback situation, based on it being a short week. All, all of the things that go into this game. Um, I do expect Louisville to be rather impressive as they try and. Uh, get any sort of statement out to the college football playoff committee. Yeah. And this is a really important game for them just for the aforementioned reason. Look, you've got to, you got to clinch the ACC. It, I think you do that with a win here uh, because the only other people behind them right now, the Georgia tech yellow jackets, believe it or not, then you have the Duke blue devils and the North Carolina Tar Heels. Um, Boston college, NC state. They're still in there. I actually don't know the, the head to heads here. Here, but you've beaten Duke, you've beaten Virginia Tech if you're Louisville. So you, really, you're only per, and you've beaten Georgia Tech. So you win here, and you all but l- clinch your trip to Charlotte for the ACC title game. Uh, but you need to do it convincingly because you need to start showing off and showing some firepower that you belong in the college football playoff. They they got a long way to go. It'll be very difficult. But look, you can't do that if you don't beat the teams that you're supposed to beat down the stretch. So. Win today, win on Thursday, and figure the rest out. Uh, Miami, they go and, and do just a, a one of one of the best rivalries, I will say, that a lot of people outside of the state of Florida don't fully appreciate. Miami and Florida State; these two teams hate each other. They, at least the fan bases, despise each other, and they're going on the road. The Mario Cristobal roller coaster of a season has just continued to go up and down and up and down in the twisty, curly cues and everything else. They lose to NC State after having just an awesome win against Clemson. Turnovers have continued to be an issue. They had four last week. Tyler Van Dyke of the offense did. But this is a rivalry game. 
Abe, and I don't know about you, I love rivalry games because anything can happen on the football field on those Saturday night games. Yeah, I mean, the question for me is because I think Florida State is much better than sure. uh, Miami, and I think Mario Cristobal's refusal to bench Tyler Van Dyke is going to end up costing his team any semblance of competency the remainder of the way. Uh, he's been terrible, uh, just absolutely dreadful. I don't know if he's got the yips or he's in his own head. I don't know what's going on. It's not the guy we thought could be one of the best uh, quarterbacks in the ACC this year. I'll say this. There are some real questions about Florida State's health. Uh, they've got to get some yeah. playmakers back. They missed four key wide receivers a week ago. Still got the job done quite impressively. Jordan Travis has been outstanding uh, in recent weeks, and, and Florida State has really poured it on some lesser opponents, and I expect them to do the same if they can get guys like Coleman and Wilson back healthy for this game. And it might have been a situation where they knew they'd win a week ago and they were resting the guys, making sure they can get as close to 100% as possible for this uh, this showdown. But uh, I'll be honest, I don't know what a path to victory is for, for Miami if Florida State's healthy. I, I really don't. I'm not quite so bullish on, on Florida State here. Miami is a, pr a plenty talented football team. We've, we've seen what they can do when they play at a high level. Um, Jordan Travis, you're going to have to affect the quarterback. You're going to have to knock him off his spot, make him uncomfortable. Uh, no real, teams haven't really been able to do that effectively. Miami might be able to do that. They've got a, a, a decent the, – the defense is pretty good. They have one of the best safety tandems in the in the ACC. Uh, the secondary is strong. Uh, I, it just all comes down to Tyler Van Dyke for me. You you can't turn the ball over, and he tries to play Superman too much, and he makes bad decisions with the football, and, and like bad things happen when you do things like that. And I think Miami has a good opportunity here. If they play their best game, they can absolutely give Florida State a good game. Will that be enough? I don't know. If Keon Coleman and Johnny Wilson aren't healthy, then I think it potentially could be. Because you're if you're like Florida State and you don't have your top wide receivers here, I think that puts you in a really difficult spot. Now, they are able to run the ball effectively. That's been one, one aspect of their game, which I'd say we don't talk enough about, is the fact that they run the ball really well. Uh, but if you don't have those top-end wide receivers, then I think that really puts you in a bad spot. Uh, is that going to be enough for, for Miami to pull off an upset? I don't know. I, I think they didn't absolutely make this a very interesting game at the very least. I think the, the, the line is like what plus 15 and a half or something like that. A plus I'd be comfortable taking the points there. Would I take the, the Miami money line? I don't think so. I think if you're willing to ride that roller coaster, that's Mario Cristobal, then, then go out, go for it. But I don't know if I'm, if I'm willing to do that. Yeah. Three interceptions for Van Dyke a week ago in a, in a very, very, poor loss to nc state yeah, uh i'm just totally game. off just totally off on him uh mm -hmm. I, I don't i don't know why uh you're sticking with him as opposed to emory williams who who did you lead you to that win against clemson that would be my decision i've seen other miami fans be uh, kind of befuddled by the fact that they're just sticking with this guy um but again i just do think it comes down to the florida state playmakers if they're healthy i, I think this is a pretty cut and dried if they're not i, I think it is uh, it's kind of like the Florida LSU situation. If Jaden Daniels is playing, forget about it. If he's not, yeah. game on. I think if Coleman and Wilson are playing, forget about it. If they're not, though, game on. Yeah, I, th I think it could be a very sneakily good game. Yeah. Uh, the Nooner on ABC. Georgia Tech travels to Death Valley, the other Death Valley, to go play Clemson. Um, the high-flying Georgia Tech offense, of course, had the huge game 
against Tony Musket and the Virginia, the Virginia Cavaliers last week, scoring 45 points. I'd say their best four quarter performance of the season. Now they get the Clemson, the stout Clemson defense, which for all of the shortcomings that the offense has had dealing with fumbles and turnovers and everything else, the defense has still been pretty effective. You know, I, I mean, we saw what they just did to Notre Dame last week. I think they might've turned a corner. So you have two teams who I'd say are playing good football right now. Clemson, of course, has had the woes. Uh, of course, you have the ups and downs of the first back-to-back losses for Dabo Sweeney since 2011. He could, but he turns around and he, he answers for Tyler from Spartanburg with a big win, resounding win against Notre Dame. Now you have a high-flying offense, which I think is a better offense at Georgia Tech than what you saw against Notre Dame. The biggest thing for me, can Clemson hold on to the football? And then can Haynes King, or really, I'll just say this, a better way of saying this, who wins the turnover battle? Haynes King has been, for all of the goods and the highs and, and everything else, he does have a propensity to throw interceptions. Not all of them are his fault. I can't blame all at the quarterback's, our quarterback's feet, but he has had some interceptions that have really cost Georgia Tech a couple of games so far this season. But then Clemson, they put the ball on the ground just too often. Phil Maffa, who I'm sure you're going to discuss, in the, the presence of Will Shipley, the, the starter who has been practicing this week, He's at the non-contact jersey. We'll see what he does on Saturday and with, if he, he suits up. I think he's going to be a game-time decision, but I assume he'll go. Phil uh, Moff had 36 carries last week, 185 yards. Great game. But he had, I think, two fumbles in that game. Only or Maybe had three fumbles. Only lost one of them. So I think that's going to be a really important aspect to, to this game. Who wins the turnover battle? Can Georgia Tech keep going against a really high-flying Clemson defense? It's going to be very interesting to see. Yeah, I'm normally not one who leans this way. Normally, I do like to give teams their flowers uh, after a win. Um, I don't think Clemson was very good a week ago. Uh, I think Sam Hartman and Notre Dame were that bad. Um, I I was not impressed. It's not that I wasn't, like, unimpressed with Clemson. I I just think it was more about how bad Sam Hartman was, for whatever reason, than than Clemson. Uh, Look, two of their scoring drives were like one of them was like eight plays, 18 yards. And one of them was a couple plays for a negative one yard in which they kicked the field goal. The the turnovers really mattered in this game in in regards to Notre Dame. So I I look at it that way. Now, that being said, I think it's safe to say, at least my opinion, Clemson is still a better team than Georgia Tech. Clemson Mm -hmm. is at home, which we know has actually been good for Tech going on the road. Um, but I, I, yeah, you, you laid out a lot of the things Clemson can do a pretty good job stopping the run. Clemson can run the ball, uh, a fair amount. If those two things happen and it's put on the shoulders of Haynes King, um, it's going to be tough. Doesn't mean they can't do it. We've seen Haynes King have some real big games, but a lot of those games have been supported by the run game. Uh, so, so that's going to be the key for me who runs the ball. Um, probably, you know, if it's competitive in terms of who runs the ball, but if one team has a big advantage, I would look at that team to win, but I am just not going to overreact in this week to how Clemson was able to beat Notre Dame. This was a rare, big, big, big misstep for Sam Hartman. I don't know what went on there. Uh, but, but he cost, uh, the Irish, the game a week ago. It was a pretty bad game just in general. Um, it was kind of sloppy. I, 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 it's hard to take something from it. Sam Hartman's been a, a frustrating player just in general this year, Abe. I, in the biggest games, he just hasn't really shown up. And maybe that's just who he is, you know? Some guys are are great uh, when the lights aren't on and, and 
then the lights pop on and then you just sort of fall asleep or, or maybe you just shrink. And I'm not saying that's what he's done, but this season it, it's been pretty consistent. And I, and I was kind of frustrated with him too, because I say that about Sam Hartman, just like you looked really good in two consecutive weeks. And then I mean, Notre Dame just in general, and then you just fall flat in this game. And I wonder if, if we could see something similar for Georgia tech. I mean, look, they, they've won two games in a row for the first, only the second time since 2018. And if they win on Saturday, this would be the first time they've won three consecutive games since 2018. So this is not a Georgia Tech team that's really found a lot of success. And, and I want to see what Brent Key can do. He's got that program moving, I think, in the right direction. They, they've got good habits and everything else. And I'm not going to get into too much of that here. But I think this is a good football team. I, I think that the, the I think it's a 15 point spread, 14 and a half points. That's almost a good spot if you're Brent Key. I know you mentioned it. He's six and one on the road against ACC opponents when he's an underdog. Six and one. And he's just very impressive in those roles. He's looked really good. The team looked really good against North Carolina. Granted, that was at home. And then you look even better last week. It looked like they finally built on some of that momentum. I want to see them do that early in this game. I think you're going to figure out what's going to happen in this game very early on because Clemson is a good enough team that they can pile on to somebody very quickly. And if you see a Georgia Tech team come in here and just sort of spook them, those fans might turn on Clemson. I said this last week. It didn't really happen that way. It actually happened the opposite. They, Clemson started fast in that game, and they really were able to pile it on and hold on for dear life down the stretch. Georgia Tech is a much better offense, I'd say. So this will be very interesting. I, I got my eyes on this one just in particular. But let's move on. Virginia Tech at Boston College. These are two teams who I think are both trending up in the ACC. Both have had surprisingly better seasons. Uh, Virginia Tech's coming off a loss last week. They kind of crashed down to earth. But Boston College became bowl eligible, and uh, they've had just a, a, a true turnaround to their season. Yeah, I, I, I'm in on Boston College. Uh, I'm in on their quarterback, Castellanos. Uh, I saw a lot of him, obviously, in the Georgia Tech game, but I just think he, he's an outstanding kind of overlooked. I mean, look, he's not a top-of-the-conference guy. He's a good weapon for a mid-tier team, and that's what Boston College is. I, th I think he is enough uh, to get them a win at home over Virginia Tech. I think that should be a good game. Um <clears throat> Robichaud is another guy who I'm going to be watching in that game. I think the rushing attack is just going to be too much. Virginia Tech is a little bit of fool's gold for me just in general, but they've had a better season, I'll, I'll admit, than, than, I, than I fully expected earlier in the season. NC State, uh, they go on the road, and they are going to be playing Wake Forest. NC State's in an interesting spot because they just had the big win on Saturday um, after they get the win over Clemson. Now you're losing your quarterback, MJ Morris, suddenly decided to redshirt for the remainder of the 2023 season after he led the team to the back-to-back -back wins. He had 719 yards, seven touchdowns, and five interceptions in four starts. He's from Carrollton, Georgia, so he's a Georgia boy. Uh, Brennan Armstrong, he is the UVA transfer. He's going to be coming in. He's going to be the favorite. Had a big performance against Miami last week, by the way. Uh, they brought him in. He ended up leading the team in rushing in that one believe it or not so i mean you know he has some athleticism but it's just a weird spot if you're in c state and how do they respond that's really my biggest question for them 
Yeah, it is an odd situation. I actually like Brendan Armstrong. I, I thought he would be uh, a little bit better just throughout the course of the season. I liked him as a transfer coming in. Mm-hmm. Uh, and he just didn't get it done uh, early on. Maybe, you know, sitting back and watching and, and getting the offenses figured a couple things out. I, I just think at the end of the day, though, they're a better team than Wake Forest. Uh, th- this is not a very competitive Wake Forest team. Mm. They are at home. We do get weird things happening on the CW. Um, but I think even with the quarterback change that NC State's got more than enough to get this thing done. Dave Doran's just continuing his run of eight and four football. That's really just the, the Doran special up there uh, in Raleigh, North Carolina. Pittsburgh at Syracuse. I fully I don't know what to expect really in this game. Um, Dino Babers is is just sort of stumbling right now. The, the Syracuse Orange are. 0-5 in conference play after starting 4-0 out of conference. And it has just been a disaster of a second half of the season for, for Syracuse. But at the same time, Pat Narduzzi in Pittsburgh. <sighs> Pittsburgh looks like they've quit on Narduzzi. I, I don't, based off of the comments and everything else that were made last week or after or two weeks ago after the game, they played a lot better against Penn's, or against uh, uh, Florida State than I fully expected them to. but. I really have no feel on this game, but these are two teams. Like Pittsburgh, I guess they're out on bowl eligibility. So I, I don't really know what's expect in this game, but Syracuse, they're still technically alive. If you're looking for bowl eligibility, they just need three. They need to go undefeated down the stretch. I don't think that's going to happen though. Yeah. I, I mean, look, uh, the Florida state game's a little bit of misleading because of all the injuries to the offensive playmakers on sure. Florida state, they put up 24 Jordan Travis was pretty efficient. They played it pretty close to the vest though. Um, and, and I think that, could have looked like the Notre Dame game the week before where it's a 58-7 type of affair had they had those playmakers. I- I'm with you. I- as Look, Syracuse has lost, what, five in a row now? Um, but I-, I do think they have enough to get this win. It-, it does feel like the pit ride is over. I agree with you, it, which makes the loss for Louisville so much tougher to explain. Mm-hmm. That That's really what you – take a wild glance at out of Pittsburgh's schedule. It's like, all right, I understand the rest of their schedule. This is the one that doesn't make sense. Uh, but I think Syracuse can end their losing streak and, and maybe try and salvage the season a little bit on Saturday. Abe, we'll finish with the tobacco world rivalry. Uh, Duke at North Carolina. North Carolina. I, I don't even have a lot to say about this game, except I wish it mattered more. I like, do like, I'll yeah. be honest. Like that. That's kind of like, like, man, it felt like three weeks ago we are like, Winner of this could be undefeated and heading to the ACC championship game. And now it's like, I don't really even care who wins like that. That's frustrating. Um, Riley Leonard never got back to full health. He just never got back. Um, And UNC's offense has been up and down with Tez Walker returning. I still think they have enough firepower uh, with Drake may. Uh, So I'll, I'll take them, but it's just, it's one of those like all time, not all time. That's what certainly ball. overstating, but it's like a, what could have been game for this season because yeah. it looks like that's where we were headed and, and it's just not anymore. Yeah. And it's a frustrating outcome for both of these teams. Yeah. I, I think, and that's what I'm getting. Look, it's what could have been uh, because these are two good teams. I think they're two well coached teams. Both teams could do a lot of things well, but if Riley Leonard stayed healthy, I think we're talking about a different Duke team. And then, inexplicably if North Carolina just stuck to their identity a little bit better and tried not to get so unnecessarily creative like they did at times, like they did against it and their loss against Georgia Tech, their loss to Virginia. And then we could be talking about a different North Carolina team who has 
albeit snuck back up into the top 25. They're uh, sitting there, yeah. sitting pretty right there at 24 after their win against Campbell, uh, which because that was really the the the, the straw that broke the camel's resume back, builder. Resume That's the builder. resume builder, I guess, is the, the win against the Campbell camels. But either way, let's move on because we have a lot of big games to get across of across the nation. And that's really what we're going to discuss right here. And I do want to start with one of the biggest games of the week, one of the biggest games of the year, Michigan at Penn State. And I feel like we've almost buried the lead by, by bringing it up this late in the show. But, you know, I do want to get into it because it is a really important game. I talked earlier about uh, the game Tennessee and Missouri being about which quarterback there is, is relied upon the least. I think this is going to be one of those games where it is, it, it's going to come down to JJ McCarthy and drew Aller. That is the biggest thing for me. If whoever has the best game between those two, I think is really going to define what happens in this game. 418 yards rushing for Michigan in this one last year. I do not expect that to be the case this year. I'd be surprised really if they eclipse 150 yards in this game, a uh, hundred yards. I could see that happening just because, you know, Blake Corum's having a, a magnificent season, 649 yards on the ground, 5.2 yards per carry. But I have a lot of questions for Michigan just in general. And a lot of them aren't on the talent or their ability. It's what did they do in their first real test of the season? Because we haven't seen what they look like against top end competition at all this season. The best teams they've played are what Rutgers and UNLV. And they're doing a great job. Look, they're at winning by an average margin of victory of 34 points. But at the end of the day, it's hard to gauge what they really are. Are those numbers inflated, Abe? I don't know. We'll find out on Saturday. Yeah, it, it, it's finally time that we get Michigan a test. I 100% agree. We've been waiting for it. We've been trying to gauge, as you mentioned. All right, the offensive numbers, the defensive numbers, there's a complete domination. But uh, against who? It's finally time that we see it against someone and it's a tough opponent. It, it, it is a road game to Penn state. Um, and look, uh, drew Allard threw for 240 yards while putting up 51 points a week ago on the road against Maryland. That, that, that's mm. the most yards he had thrown for since the, the first week of the season. So he may be peaking at the right time, but I, it's just about how much help he can get. I mean, how much can he possibly get? I know it's not a big bin against hardly anyone. Yeah. I uh, unequivocally believe in this Michigan run defense, though. Uh, of all the other aspects, if you want to pick apart what what will and won't stick, I think the Michigan run defense is legitimate. It's going to be very, very tough for Allen and company to get it going on the ground. So you're asking a lot of Drew Aller, and, and I think that's just a disaster waiting to happen, if I'm being honest. Um I think Michigan is good. I think Michigan's legitimate. I think Michigan goes into Penn State and wins this game. Mm. The great part about this is I could be so easily wrong because we just haven't seen it against anyone. And I think it's justifiable to think the way I think and be wildly wrong. Maybe this Penn State offense cuts them open. Maybe, Maybe. they get pushed around on the line of scrimmage. Maybe they get shut down and J.J. McCarthy never even gets his Heisman campaign kick-started. Those are all real legitimate possibilities. I don't think that's the case. But when you're talking about a team that really has not been tested, those are legitimate possibilities. And so that's what's got me so excited for this game. It is tough to pick because we just don't really know what's real, what sticks, and what doesn't for Michigan on offense and defense. Um, 
but th- that's what's got me so juiced up about this one is, is just finally getting to find out. And look, Michigan's been ranked number three uh, in the college football playoff rankings. I had them earlier in the season ranked number one because of overall domination. Sure. Um, I think we find out on Saturday if that is legitimate, if, if what we've seen on both sides of the ball is legitimate. And uh, I'm just ready for it. I, I really am. And then on the Penn State side, it's just – are you ever going to get over the hump? We had the same discussion with Ohio state and James yeah. Franklin. Like, are you ever going to beat one of these two teams? Uh, you got it at home. You, you, you got a, a top 12 team here. Um, if not now, when sort of situation. Um, so, so they, you're, you're going back to the same storylines, uh, albeit at home. We'll, we'll see how that plays out there for the Nittany lions and, and head coach James Franklin. Yeah, the biggest thing is that it's just a shame that it's happening at noon instead of at eight o'clock. I, I really wish that this would have been a whiteout <laughs> game. Oh, man, that would have been a lot of fun just in general. But big noon kickoff over there on Fox. Um, James Franklin, I think, takes a little a little bit too much criticism here, too. I saw this on Twitter. It's he was he's three and 16 against top 10 teams. Of course, we, we mentioned that when they played Ohio State. It was a massive storyline. Uh, and then people are like, oh, he's three and 16 versus top 10 teams. Oh, that means he's overrated, right? Well, he was only favored in one of those games. So it's. It's more along the lines, I think someone mentioned that he's, I'd say, more perfectly rated than he is anything else. He's only favored in one of those games, and he's he won two of the games that he was not supposed to win. You know, So he's losing the games he's supposed to and winning the games that he is supposed to. And I, I mean, I just want to see him win this game and do something he's not supposed to do. And I think that all comes down, like I said, to Drew Aller. You have to keep him safe because in that game against Ohio State, he was terrorized. He was sacked four times, but he was pressured throughout the game. And it really threw off everything because you could not protect him. And, and that, that goes into running the ball. You need to be able to run the ball more effectively. That's going to be a massive test for them. I don't know if they're really going to be able to run against this Michigan front seven, like you mentioned, but Katrin Allen, Nicholas Singleton, those are two guys who need to step up and have good games. But Drew Aller, from when he's throwing from a clean pocket, he's 75%. 636 yards, five touchdowns, and zero interceptions. You go back to that Ohio State game where he was sacked four times and pressured throughout the day, 42%, 191 yards, and the one touchdown. Didn't make any catastrophic errors, I would say, but he wasn't a reason that they they found any success on offense. And that's and look, you need to make plays, and I think playing at home is going to help you a lot in this contest, and I, I'm very interested to see what happens in this. Can they win? I think they absolutely can win. I will save my pick for Saturday on college football over to our college football game time. Find it anywhere on the Odyssey app. It's going to be a lot of fun. We're going to continue that discussion, but we're going to zip through some of these other games that are happening across the nation, Arizona at Colorado. I think that these are two programs trending in completely different directions. Colorado is not going the right direction right now. They just made a coordinator change. albeit a weird one. It kind of, kind of an interesting one. Didn't really see that boost. It was my upset special last week and that didn't really play out, but now Arizona, they're trending and playing some of their best football. They've won three games in a row against ranked opponents. I mean, look, they've done fantastic work. Noah Fafita, he had 300 yards last week against a really good UCLA defense. And look, you win 27 to 10 against a good UCLA team who a lot of people had playing in the back 12 title game at the beginning of the season. Arizona's looking like a really good team right now. 
Yeah, this is an interesting one to me, Garrett, because I think people have gotten a little too, you know, look, early in the season, people obviously went way too far to one side in Colorado. I actually think they've swung the wrong way now, or, or too, not the wrong way, but too far the wrong way. I, I think this is a Colorado team that's actually been relatively competitive the last two weeks against uh, ranked teams. Uh, they covered against UCLA. They covered against Oregon State. That was a very close game. You mentioned the, the, mm. the switch at coordinator. And uh, are we now flying a little Icarus style for Arizona where, where they're flying and we've shifted on them? They're a little too close. I think this is a spot and probably, in my opinion, the last spot for Dion to to make a, a statement and, and grab one of those types of wins that we saw early on in the season. Because I don't think at Utah at the end of the season is the one for them. Uh, I think that's too tough of a matchup. This one, I think, is realistic, though. And, and if we're going to look at the Dion taking down another ranked opponent. This I think is realistic. Uh, you are at home. You, you, you have played well. You did lose. You can't, you're not arguing that they lost the last two games, but they've been competitive against really good PAC 12 teams. And I don't think a lot of people expected them to even be competitive against. Can they be more than just competitive in that, in this one? That's the question for me. I actually am interested in this one. I'm not saying they will win, but I think it, they can. And uh, it's, like you said, two teams that have kind of flipped. Um, I'm interested to see if they flip back after this one. Yeah, and I think it's going to be a very interesting game. I, I think you nailed it, honestly. Um, Colorado has an opportunity to do something and end the season on a high note uh, here with the, the very difficult stretch in the Pac-12, which has just continued to be the best conference in college football. Seven teams have six wins or more at this point. And, and look, they're a tough squad, but we're going to keep it out there in the PAC 12 because Utah is going on the road to play Washington. The second massive game with big stakes that they have played in consecutive weeks. Last week, we saw them play USC and really put the pedal to the metal on offense. 52 points scored for them. They did allow 42 points, uh, but that's a, that's a tough USC opponent. This week you have the inverse. You have a team that can't really play much offense and plays great defense. It's very interesting because the, the types of teams you have out there in the Pac-12 are, are so interesting because they change from week to week, it seems like, because Utah, they just had probably their best offensive performance of the season. They scored 55 points against Arizona State. I don't know if that's necessarily reflective of a change in philosophy or, or maybe they found something that works. I don't think that's the case necessarily. Washington and Utah, this is going to be a great game. Yeah, and that last last week's result, as you mentioned, 55 points, I'm trying to determine if that was the anomaly or if is that, that it's some sort of new norm. Um, and obviously, level of opponent and quality of defense faced uh, plays its own role here too. But uh, for Washington, can you get into that 31 to 34 spot? Because once you get above that, you should feel pretty good that you're holding Utah below that. So, so we've seen some kind of, I don't want to say lame, that's not the right the right term, but a little bit of subpar uh, efficiency from Washington. Is this a situation yeah. where they can get back to putting up into the 40s and 50s like we saw the first half of the season? Um, and, and if so, they, they should be able to get this game. It's very important for them that this game was at home. They had a great atmosphere against Oregon. I think it played a real big role in winning that one. Uh, we'll see if it does the same. But, man, just – no time to rest for for those teams because uh, you can't have any emotional letdown after a tough game against SC because Utah's yeah. coming in looking to uh, spark the upset, looking to change a couple national title uh, you know destinies. And so 
Um, very, very interested in, in what Washington can do following that game. And, and like you said, it was that a facade, the 55 points for Utah, or is that what their offense is? Uh, I'm excited to find out. Yeah, and and look, the, the Jekyll and Hyde of the Washington Huskies is just, it's got to come to an end. You have to find out. You have to build some more consistency. Otherwise, it will burn you. Yeah. You could get burned against a super physical Utah team. This is a mm-hmm. team that likes to establish itself on the ground and punch you in the mouth. And I think we've really only seen that kind of type of team against Washington once, and that was against Oregon. And they aren't as physical as Utah is. I would, I'll just give Utah full credit. If you let them hang around, you saw what they did against USC. Maybe that's just their their boogeyman, if you will. Uh, but if you let this Utah team hang around and you let them consistently just lean on you over the course of a game, they will wear you down and they will they will make you regret it. I mean, they've won back to back Pac-12 titles for a reason. Like they're they're one of the better teams in the conference consistently year in year out. They're very well coached and they're going to be here ready to play. And I'm worried if you're Washington, just in general, I know you're playing at home, but you're playing a very, you're just coming off of a very emotional game against USC. And then before that, it's just a spell of inconsistency. And I don't almost say that Oregon gifted you that game. Uh, I'm not trying they to did. take anything I'll say away. It. I, I'll say it. I'm not going to try to take anything away from the win. A win's no. a win. Sure. But you have the game against California, Arizona. Like these, are, You have a lot of games that could have gone the other way. And I want to see more consistency, a full four-quarter effort from Washington on Saturday. I'm a little worried with the type of opponent. Going undefeated in the Pac-12 this year is going to be very difficult. If they were going to lose a game, I think it's going to be this one on Saturday to a very good Utah team. Look, everyone, if these two teams, Oregon and Washington, were to rematch, everyone's taking Oregon right now. Yes. It's up to Washington to, to play a game against a team like Utah to prove, hey, maybe you shouldn't all be on Oregon, right? And, and so that's mm-hmm. what we're looking for. Go prove it against one of these teams that that is a little bit better than SC. Uh, and just remind people why you were able to beat Oregon, why you're the number five team in the country. And by the way, if you win this game, you're probably the number four team in the country. Speaking of USC and Oregon, those two yeah. teams play on Saturday uh, at Oregon. And I think Oregon is probably they have an argument to be one of the best teams in the country i think they have ever since that loss to washington they have just consistently reeled off yeah performance after performance after performance speaking of utah they punched them in the mouth before utah could really do it and that's really the recipe for washington going back to them really quickly jump on them make them play catch up and if you make them play catch up then you're just going to find success down the stretch and i think that's really their key there oregon and usc this should be another game filled with fireworks just like we saw last week my biggest thing if you're usc how do you rebound? Like, how do you get back on track? Because they have just completely fallen on their face and just gotten punched to the mouth and they have not been able to get off the mat. Well, there's been a change and that is defensive coordinator. Alex Grinch is no longer the defensive coordinator mm-hmm. there. And if look, I don't know if that defense can be helped, but if it can be helped, a change was necessary. And, and so we're looking at that. Right. And, and like, look, the offense is good. Uh, I mean, it's just how much better could you possibly get week to week on defense against a, a very strong Oregon offense? That That's what we're looking at here. Um, but I'm not ready to bury SC in this game yet because I do think if something is noticeably different on defense, they can stay competitive because of the offense that they have. And look, Oregon has brought it every single week. They, they've looked great. And you just – at some point there's going to be a flat game. They weren't flat against Washington. They lost. They had a couple of questionable decisions by their head coach, but they weren't flat in that game. No, 
it's very rare teams go an entire season without a flat game. All right. Georgia was not perfect a year ago. Record wise, they were, but they were flat against Missouri a year ago. They're flat Is against this, Auburn this year. You know, a couple this year. This year's different. Sure. Um, but but is there a game that Oregon does just for whatever reason look flat in? And if so, can whoever they are flat against beat them? Uh, and I think the answer is if, and I'm not suggesting they will be flat, but if they are flat this week, I think USC's offense can beat them. They have played at such a high level every single week. You do wonder mm-hmm. at some point is there a drop off? Are you peaking too early? Those sorts of things. Uh, but if the answer is no then they're going to control this game. Um, but if they're flat, if the defense looks a little different for SC because of the defensive coordinator change, you know, we'll see what happens. Yeah, and you've seen crazier things happen in college football just yeah. in general because, I mean, look, you have rebounds. Teams teams play better sometimes when you have a, a new voice in the room. Maybe that is what USC needed. Yeah. Um, but, look, Oregon's playing at a high level right now, 63 points last week, 35 points against the, the really tough Utah defense. Only allowed six points in that game, too. You you handle Washington State coming off of the loss against Washington. And, I mean, just based off of how Oregon is playing, I think you have two teams in two different spots. USC, if you come out, if you're Oregon and, you, and you're playing a USC team who has been struggling to get off the mat, I'll say that again. You come out and you, you punch them in the mouth early. You score some points. Yeah. I don't think they're getting back up. I think no. it's over, and I think they quit. You You just have to do that to them early in the game. And I think Dan Lanning's too good of a coach to let them falter in this game. I don't think they're peaking too early. I think they found their identity. I think they know who they are. I think they know how to run the ball with Bucky Irving. I like, look, you can do a lot of different things with this team. And they're very balanced, the most balanced team in the the, pig, the Pac-12. They can run the ball well. They can throw the ball well. Bo Nix doesn't make mistakes. The defense plays good football. USC is going to make some mistakes on defense. They're just a sieve. They can't be helped. Uh, I mean, I don't think that it's going to be enough. I think Oregon should continue to roll. But yeah. I do want to finish off with this last contest, uh, Texas in, at TCU. I think Texas has the chance to lock down a spot in the Big 12 title game. Let me double-check that before I say it. Well, while you're looking into that, I'll say this is all about the quarterback for Texas, and I believe that Quinn Ewers does return this week. I know he was throwing a little bit in practice. There was a cryptic uh, social media post mm-hmm. of his as well. Malik Murphy showed me last week that uh, things get a little dicey when he's back there. Um, uh, he's just not Quinn Ewers. Uh, so if Quinn Ewers can return in this game and not be too rusty, uh, Texas should have no problem. This is not the TCU team that was competing for a national championship last year. They are well well, well off of that form. Now, they're also not the same team that look completely lost uh, in the season opener against uh, Colorado, no. but uh, they, they are not uh, as competitive as, as Texas. They, don't, they, they should have no issues with this game, especially if Quinn Ewers returns, which, in my opinion, he will be out there. No, and I think that uh, Texas still needs to win another game or two before they clinch, officially clinch. Uh, they're right up there at the top of the standings in the Big 12, right there next to Oklahoma State, who had a huge game last week in Bedlam. Uh, went a big way in locking down Texas's ability to uh, not have to face Oklahoma for a second time this year, their only loss of the season. Uh, but they have a, they're in a big spot. They continue to rule, and I, I think they've been – I think they're the cream of the crop in the, in the Big 12. They have a, a potential matchup looming with Oklahoma State, and I think that would be a very interesting game just in general, but 
the we talked about how the Pac-12 had a chance to to just beat itself up and, and kill itself and, and knock itself out of contention. The Big 12 has a very good chance of doing that. I don't necessarily think that happens to Texas on Saturday, but look, just take care of business, keep rolling, and I think you control your own destiny for the most part in the college football playoff. Abe, did you have any more thoughts on this one or anything else in the Big 12? No, I think we're all set there. Awesome, man. So that's pretty much it. College football overtime. That's us. Uh, your week 11 preview. Abe Gordon, Garrett Chapman right here. We are going to have all of your reactions ready for you on Monday morning. So make sure you tune in right here every single Monday, every single Thursday, right here on the College Football Overtime Podcast. Make sure you're subscribing. Check us out on YouTube, on Apple Podcasts, on Spotify, uh, wherever you get your podcasts. Make sure you give us a follow. Make sure you throw us a follow on Twitter. At, he's at Abe Gordon. I'm at GChapATL. We are College Football Overtime. Thank you so much for listening. Make sure you're subscribing. We'll catch you on Monday. All of the Week 11 reactions will be ready with you. So for Abe Gordon, I'm Garrett Chapman. I'll see you all next time.